Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Ausbiz Australia's only business and market streaming service. Great to have your company. Hopefully you've had... A good morning, a good start to the week. Of course, it's just gone midday Australian Eastern Standard Time. That means it is time for the call. We um, analyse 10 stocks that you recommend uh, with two experts. We do it all in 60 minutes and delighted to have Julia Lee from Bourbon Invest with us. Julia, good to see you. Hi, Koshi. Great to be here. And Gary Glover from Novus Capital uh, joins us again on the call as well. Gary, welcome. Good weekend. Uh, thanks for having us again, Dave. So, excellent. Yep, excellent. All right, let's kick it off with our stock of the day. Stock of the day is something that is uh, in the news for today, and we get kick an opinion off with that first of all. And our stock of the day is Zip Money. After reports, the buy now, pay later company uh, take out a quad pay in the US. Zip already has a fifteen percent stake in the American Splits payment service, but reportedly is looking to move to control. Meantime, Zip this morning has entered a bit of a trading hole. So Zip, if you like, a afterpay alternative, Julia, isn't it? Look, what, do you, what do you think of them and this move? This is all about the agony of paying. The less painful it is to pay for something, the more likely that consumers are to part with their money. And if you think about it, if you were to pay for everything in 10 cent coins, you'd probably spend less. And that's why people say that when you're budgeting, try and withdraw the cash and spend money because you're likely to spend less money than paying via credit card. After take, pay takes that another step where it uh, looks at four different installments. So instead of looking at $100, one off you're looking at a $25 payment and that seems a lot less so it takes away once again that agony of paying if you think about zip money it's probably somewhere in between an afterpay as well as a credit card where you're looking at um, some different products but basically interest free for the first month and then six dollar account keeping fees now zip money's acquisition um, this means that it will be able to grow a lot faster so it should be good news in terms of its valuation I like Afterpay better than Zip Money, but at today's valuations, I'd be buying Zip Money. And that's because Afterpay trades at about 27 times price to sales, whereas Zip wow. Money is about nine times price to sales. Oh, okay. All right. So, good move by Zip and a better buy than Afterpay at, at the at moment. The moment. Uh, Gary, what do you think of Zip? Yeah, I mean, you just look at the, the last correction on Zip. So, had a high of like just above 580. And then, um, well, the COVID situation got down to almost uh, to a dollar. So it was just above a dollar there. So fair um, retracement in price there. So just that's not a good indication of, of the model or the, or, the, or the market feeling sort of safe in this sort of product. So, so I know if this, this space is really attractive, obviously there's momentum there. There's obviously um, real strong revenue growth in that area. Um, not a lot of profit growth there, there yet. Um, 
So no longer term, you know, uh, there's probably going to be a couple of survivors there. I think Zip's probably well placed to be one of the two or three um, that does come out of it here. But valuation's pretty high here. So um, you, you trade these when they've got some momentum, but it's had a pretty awesome run here from what 110 up to 370. I think most of broker valuations are, um, are, are here or below. So not too many are above here. So um, yeah, getting getting pretty fully priced up here, at, um, if not overpriced. Oh, okay. All right. Now, because, Julia, there's Afterpay, Zip, and what's the other one? Sezzle, is it? Sizzle? Over in the US as well. Yeah. Sezzle's becoming very popular. And, and I, that's listed here too, isn't it? Sizzle. Yeah, so yeah. I guess the attractiveness of this market, even though valuations are extremely high and profitability is not there yet, is the growth. If you have a look yeah. at transaction value growth for uh, zip money, that's at about 85%. Compare that to retail, which is less than 2%, and credit cards, which is at 1%. You can see why mm. they're valued at larger valuations, and that's because the growth is there. And you have to ask yourself, sort of, where are these companies in terms of the cycle of uh, a growing a business? Are they at the start? or they mature. And you'd have to say that these markets aren't saturated yet, so they're probably yeah. closer to the start than the end. Uh, let's get into your 10 stocks now that you've uh, you've suggested. Our first one up, Gary, is uh, Bingo, the big waste management and, and recycling business. Um, a big family shareholder in this business as well, isn't there, the Tartax? Yeah, so this sort of waste management solution business, so market cap of one and a half bills so pretty decent size there the PE is pretty high here actually uh, up towards the the 30s and the yields only less than two percent here so even though it's sort of come off there still on a fairly high multiple so the business has been growing um, pretty strongly so revenue growth has been uh, I was up like 50 percent in the last 12 months so business has been ticking along just just got to wonder about um, you know, possible slowdown here. So construction sort of um, spend. Um, so yeah, I think 85% of their revenues in that construction space. So uh, yeah, so I'd, it's funny. I don't mind the business here. Just just got a few overhead risks here with the with the market here. But um, pre-COVID, there this, the business was really sort of starting to get a bit of traction, sort of growing quite nicely. But um, I know sort of a few comments regarding margins as well. So I think um, that, that the margin was sort of looking a lot, lot better than revenue. So always sort of like to see a business, you know, the revenue coming first, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, Julia, what do you think of Bingo? In that construction area, and, but interestingly, construction kept going, didn't it, through this whole lockdown. Um, unlike, what's the other big one? Um, Clean Away. Clean Away. Which is mainly in hotels and um, uh, and pubs and clubs and things like that. They would have been suffered with all of them in lockdown, but construction yeah. kept going. I mean, most people, when they think of, I guess, garbage disposal, they think of household garbage. And actually, yeah. in terms of volumes, household garbage makes up about 20%, 25% of waste volume. The rest comes from commercial, industrial, yeah. construction and building, as well as government. So I guess the difference between CleanAway versus Bingo is that Bingo does have larger exposure to the construction and the building development side of things, whereas CleanAway has a lot more exposure to the commercial and the industrial space. So we know that development and building has been under a cloud because of COVID-19 and the slowdown that we've said that 
uh, seen that. But what could be a positive for bingo is there is some talk of introducing some incentives to help kickstart building starts and to help uh, kickstart the construction industry. So that's set, I think, to be announced this week. We haven't heard an official announcement from the government as yet, but you'd imagine if there was some sort of stimulus in that construction space, then bingo would be a much bigger beneficiary of that uh, compared to Cleanaway. But Cleanaway has much more defensive earnings um, in the commercial and the industrial space. So usually I'd prefer Cleanaway, but if we do see that announcement, if you're expecting it and want to get in ahead of that announcement, then bingo would be the one. Yeah, because it, there's big government infrastructure and also uh, incentives for residential construction too, isn't it, going? I think there's talk of introducing yeah. uh, some incentives for residential yeah. new construction, which would be a positive yeah. for something okay. like bingo. All right, so if you want to, uh, a yes from uh, Julia on bingo, if you want to get ahead of an announcement, hopefully it comes off. All right, uh, Julia, our second stock sent in by viewers. Thank you for this. Uh, Western areas, we're going into the resource space. Um, one of our uh, pure nickel miners, aren't they, Western yeah. areas? Yeah, so when you think about nickel, most of nickel, about 80%, is used in stainless steel. So stainless steel mm. tubes, um, and most of that is used in terms of building. Whenever you look at a uh, commodities-based company, I always look at the supply side of things and then the demand side of things. So I guess on the demand side of things, things have been a bit slow because the world has been in lockdown. And look, there hasn't been a lot of purchase of electric vehicles. So nickel's also used in electric vehicle batteries, um, and that contributes to about 3% of demand, but that's been a big area of growth for nickel. On the supply side though, because of shutdowns, there's been an impact from supply from the Philippines. So that's helped to cushion the blow in nickel prices a little bit. If I was to buy into this stock, I'd be thinking that they have no debt, so that's a positive, but it wouldn't be a short-term story. I'd be looking at a two-year story for Western areas because the real kicker, I think, for a nickel company is going to be when you see an acceleration of electric vehicle sales. And I, I don't think that's going to be till 2022. Right, okay. So they use a lot in electric vehicles and that could be a beneficiary if, if governments did start encouraging production. Yeah, I mean, vehicles. we're seeing vehicle sales come to a bit of a standstill yeah. at the moment, but uh, it, about 3% of nickel usage is used in electric vehicle batteries, but it's been a big part of the growth because if we have right. a look at stainless steel, that's a traditional use. This is a new market that's opening up and one that's at the start of its growth, which is pretty exciting for nickel miners. Yeah. All right, Gary, Western Areas. Yeah, look, it's interesting here. Obviously, it's... Um like the market, market cap only about 624 mil, so it's not not particularly um, you know big company here considering the quality of um, the deposit here in the company. Um, but I see most broker vales around 235 to 290, so it's basically trading at the lower end of all those vales. Um, it is tracking at the lower end of guidance, so that was a recent update recently. So it's um, but. There's not many companies that will be tracking at the higher end of guidance at the moment, so shouldn't shouldn't really build too much into that. But yeah, I guess the kicker is is, is this sort of um, electric cars, and obviously the nickel price potentially could grow there. So yeah, look, I guess it's um you could get interested here. I guess so it's um yeah, there's definitely some value here. It's definitely the market cap's pretty small, I think. Um, so yeah, I think there's potential upside here. I think. Probably tend to with Julia here. Maybe it's not not now, but 
it is soon here, I guess. You sort of got to look a little bit forward sometimes. So the market generally does. So um, definitely one of those stocks to sort of put on the radar, maybe watch the price section. And um, it was sort of, maybe something starts to build here. It's definitely one to have a look at here. Okay. All right. So uh, both of you agree, not at the time at the moment, but to watch it. Yes, on the watch list. Okay. All right. Um, our third stock is um, a group that has come up a bit on the call in the last uh, eight weeks or so and has tended to trend up a bit. Credit Corp Group, which uh, basically buys debts from big financial institutions and then goes and collects on them. And uh, Gary, the last sort of two or three weeks, it's had a bit of a run up. What do you think of, uh, think of Credit Corp? Yeah, so it's 120 mil placement there recently, so uh, which is not, you know, we're probably looking at um, market cap about 1.1 bills. So what's that roughly? Just over 10 percent. Um, so look, PE is around 12, yields 4 percent. So definitely not expensive here. Has been a great company historically there. Um, yeah, it's been some pretty solid numbers coming into, well, I guess, pre-COVID there. So yeah, so look. There might be some effects here, but this is sort of one I'm actually having a look at here, actually. Um, just watching the price action there. Um, could be one to look at there on price weakness here, actually. So, yeah. Mm. Um, Julia, uh, originally it was hammered because everyone, I think, thought there's got to be a huge amount of bad debts coming in with the debts of this recession. You don't want to be in this business. Apparently it's really well run, but then... The sentiment started to to turn as maybe the recession won't be as bad as we thought, and they're they're buying these debts at a lot better price now, aren't they? Yeah. So that's a bit of the trade-off. I'd probably stay away from Credit Corp for the time being. Look, they they buy purchase debt ledgers. They make up about thirty-five percent of the market here in Australia. But the real growth market is the US and the purchase debt ledger market over in the US is 10 times the size of Australia. So before COVID-19 hit, they'd really been making some strong inroads into the US, which was uh, leading to a high amount of growth. Look, they haven't really seen huge impairments since 2008. And Koshi, you're absolutely right. On one hand, when people, um, unemployment spikes and people find it harder to pay off their debts, then um, these purchase debt ledgers become cheaper. But on the other hand, people become less likely to pay off this debt. And that makes it much more difficult for people on the phones. Uh, Human cost is a a big cost when you're dealing with trying to chase up these loans, when you're actually talking to people and trying to work out repayment schedules. And I think think the average amount that they're trying to recover is about $2,000 over 20 months. So look, unemployment is set to rise. So in a rising unemployment environment, I'd probably steer clear of this company, even though I do like the growth potential of the US and I do like the management. Mm. I just think that conditions are going to worsen for Credit Corp. All right. Okay. So a yes to look at from uh, from Gary, a a no from from Julia on that, because as it was explained to me, sort of banks have these loans out to people and when they they have a diagnostic, don't they? The banks that go, okay, these borrowers, it's going to get hard to, uh, going to be hard to get any repayments or money out of them. Let's sell them that responsibility to a group like Credit Corp for maybe 70 cents in the dollar and yeah. Credit Corp 
then try and get the money in for themselves. Yeah, and credit to Credit Corp. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think they're one of the best operators in Australia, um, unlike some of the other debt collection um, agencies that we've seen who have been, um, I guess, criticised for their methods. Yeah. Um, Credit Corp is probably one of the, the best operators in Australia. Unfortunately, a rising unemployment environment, mm. I don't think it's the best. Okay, all right, our uh, fourth stock, Paragon Care. It's the first one that's um, come up on the call, the first time it's come up. Sort of healthcare diagnostic devices. Um, it's had a terrible share performance <laughs> over the last couple of years. I'd never heard of it, and I, Julia, until I had a look at it, but uh, it's been all over the shop, hasn't it? You think that supplying hospitals and medical companies would be a very defensive yeah. uh, earnings flow, but unfortunately for, for Paragon, it's been uh, set with management problems. I mean, a couple of years ago, its chief financial officer resigned, and then last year in November, its CEO resigned. And these are terrible things. So look, management of the company has been an issue and they're trying to turn it around. So if you're buying Paragon at the moment, you're buying before that turnaround happens, if it happens. So really you're buying it as a potential turnaround story and you want it to turn around. Um, unfortunately, it's had a pretty checkered pass yeah. um, despite the type of products it, it holds. So okay. high risk, it's probably more of a punt than an investment. Right. Have they, have they settled the management down at all? Yeah, it? so they're, they're concentrating on management, uh, the strategy, and also cost cutting. So right. cost cuttings are, I guess, yet to be seen. But, you know, these turnaround plays can deliver a, a lot of return for shareholders if they're successful. I mean, just think of Blue Scope Steel, which at one point was almost going bust um, and then managed to turn around the business. So it can be quite profitable, but it is extremely high risk. And that's why I say it's more speculative than investment right. because of the risk involved. Okay, Gary, what do you think of Paragon Care? Yeah, so I love the numbers here. So. Interesting here that the um, revenue is uh, over 220 mil for the year and the market cap 57 mil. So that, that wow. is sort of telling you that there is some opportunity here. Um, the, the, the issue is, uh, in the last report here, 46 companies, 19 trading companies, four trust companies, 14 different IT systems, 36 different property leases, 16 acquisitions in five years. So. It's been a bit of a ramp-up story. It's obviously all over the shop here in terms of um, buying all these different uh, businesses and trying to roll them into one. So the last 12 months, unfortunately for them, they've sort of they've tried to um, bring everything together, um, get rid of some of the underperforming assets. So there's, a, there's been a transition coming in. That's obviously, you know, um, been a negative for them there. And obviously the COVID there in terms of their, you know, real market um, position being in that aged care market, obviously that, that really hurts them as well here. I think it looks really interesting here. It, definitely some high risk here. Um, probably the biggest concern was where they you know, may have to raise um, some money here, but definitely one that I really keep an eye on just because of that, the eve, I mean, we're, this was the last, well, the last year was the first year they didn't make profit. So the last two or three years, it's sort of, I think it was like four, nine and 10 mil profit. So then I think we were negative 14 mil in the last last year so yes it's really interesting here actually just kind of caught my eye um definitely one to keep an eye on there's definitely you know if if they can turn this thing around here there's probably significant upside appreciation in the share price so 
yeah. just need to see some evidence of that. Just biggest concern. The only concern I've got here is having to raise some money here at the moment. That's um, but uh, but does look pretty uh, <laughs> uh, good value here. Well, they're at seventeen cents. So if they're going to raise, um, <laughs> it's going to be pretty cheap, isn't it? It's going to be tough. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's going to... Yeah. So what do what do they actually? Manufacturer or distributor. It's like it's a whole hospital of... beds, so the adjustable, ah. which is used in aged care homes as well. Right. I mean, the problem with this company is it mm. constantly looks cheap. It looked cheap at a dollar and now it's at 17 cents. Yeah. So the question is whether it's a value trap or whether they can turn right. it around. And that's the key uh, for buying into this company, whether you think it's a turnaround or whether you yeah. think it's going to continue to spiral down. And, and Gary, I suppose when it makes that revenue, there is a market for its sales, for its goods, isn't there? Yeah, I think they've tried to do a bit of everything. So, I mean, everything from like um, surgical aprons, um, the ultrasound <clears throat> machines and heads, um, oh. you know, optical equipment. So it's really just, uh, you know, trying to sort of grab a lot of brands, a lot of companies who sell all sorts of um, segments into the one sort of area. Just unfortunately for them, the aged care is um, under a bit of pressure here now. but. Possibly, you know, that part of the has accentuated some of the sell down. So, um, yeah, I think there's some value here for sure. Um, mm. But yeah, just okay. it's definitely one to sort of track if the performance starts to turn around here, company wise. Um, yeah, definitely uh, got some potential upside here. So you'd be just waiting for any announcements that came through that showed that the yeah. the business was delivering. Well, looking at the 10 stocks here that come through, this is one that really jumped out at me as, as the biggest potential upside. Mm, okay. um, because uh, just because of that, you know, just looking at the revenue numbers there and where they were profitability sort of 12 to uh, 24 months ago. So if we can get back to that same position, mm. the share price should be a lot higher. So, okay. um, but not forgetting yeah. that they've sold off a lot of those businesses. So they probably right. can't get back to the revenue of right. 24, 36 months right. ago. Okay. All right. Um, so a no from Julia and Gary, his eyes are starting to twinkle a bit. <laughs> All right, we'll see how it goes. Our fifth stock is Julia uh, Rural Funds, basically a real estate investment trust, isn't it? A REIT, but in the agricultural sector. So basically a landlord, and if you're a landlord, you can make money in two ways. That's through rent coming through or capital growth. So I guess if you have a look at rural funds uh, co firstly from the rent side of things and the income it has a yield of about 5.4 percent so if you have a look at its major tenants things like treasury wine estates vineyards select harvest looking at things like almonds australian agricultural co uh, which looks at land for cattle um, in terms of agricultural land i guess you need to have an outlook on whether the price of agricultural land is going to go up or down and the last few years, agricultural land has been depressed, and that's because of the drought here in Australia. But the drought is starting to lift, which is good news for agriculture. It's good news for agricultural stocks. It's good news for agricultural land because things are growing. People are bringing in revenue and prices are going up. So I think the outlook for Rural Funds Co here looking are pretty good. The other thing to keep an eye out on is the price of water. The lease terms require a supply of water, and because the drought has broken, water prices are becoming cheaper. So look, Rural Funds Co, I think, looking a lot better than it has in a number of years. Okay, so would you, is it worth uh, anyone looking for yield 
at the moment? Is it a good yield stock for people? I think it's definitely a yield and an income play. If you have a look at the average weighted lease term, it's about 11 and a half years. So stable cash flow or stable rents, um, strong tenants, uh, large tenants which require the land and the fact that we are seeing the cycle for agriculture, we're coming out of a drought, means that the next few years you'll probably see an increase in land prices as well. Okay, so you like it? Yes, from you? Yes. Um, Gary, what do you think of rural funds? It's hard one there. There's still, um, if you remember rural funds, it was what, nine months ago, there was a short selling report about you know, how complicated the structure was and um, yeah, just some overvalue in there. So I know the share price took a bit of a big fall then. It's been sort of climbing ever since. It's probably not as bad as everyone presumed at the time, of course. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's, it's kind of hard one for me. It's not particularly cheap here, although I kind of tend to agree with Julie that I, I quite like the ag sector there. I think um, that, I think that is sort of getting a bit of traction here at the moment. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm a bit on the fence here. I sort of, um, yeah, just the valuation is too high for me. I just, um, yeah, but probably lower, lower price levels. I could be interested, but it's not here. Okay. So a hold for you, maybe a buy if it, uh, if it pulls back a bit. Yeah, correct. Okay, all right. Uh, halfway through our 10 stocks that you've sent in on uh, for us to have a look at, um, plus we added, added Zip as well. Um, just to recap, Zip, uh, a yes from Julia, a no from Gary. Uh, Julia liked Bingo, not so much Gary. Uh, Western Areas, a watch at this stage. Interesting company. See how the, the economy increases and also electric cars. Uh, Credit Corp, Gary liked, Julia didn't. Uh, Paragon, uh, Gary see this as a, a bit of a speculative pump, but could be some value there. Julia didn't like Paragon. Um, she liked rural foods, um, but uh, rural funds rather. Uh, Gary also likes it, but maybe at a lower price. Um, let's go to our, our sixth stock, and Julia keeping in the ag sector. <laughs> Uh, Grain Corp, which is uh, basically their business is grain storage and shipment and trading as well. Absolutely. Look, I like a lot of agricultural stocks at the moment. That's because we are coming out of drought. I mean, if you have a look at Grain Corp, um, soil quality, tick, harvest, tick. Um, if you have a look at uh, water, tick, rainfall has been going up. And I guess if you have a look at grain futures and pricing, that's been supportive as well. So look, all the ducks are lining up for Grain Corp. I'd have to say that it's a buy here. Oh, okay. Um, and really hasn't bounced back a lot from its lows, from its March lows either, has it? So uh, lagging the rest of the market. Yeah, I mean, there is some risk at the moment for agricultural stocks coming through from, I guess, the tensions with China. But on a whole, whether it's Grain Corp, Bega, Elders, they've all been yeah. moving up in the same direction. So these are cyclical mm-hmm. uh, companies. And when we're in the middle of a drought, investors price these companies as though the drought is going to go on forever. But then, of course, the drought breaks and conditions get better. And that's exactly the yeah. point we're at at the moment. Gary, what's your view on Grain Corp? Yeah, that's interesting here. I mean, like the last five years, the stock pretty much has been caught between 320 and 440. So it's been range bound here for um, just a massive period here. So um, stock's on a bit of a bit of a run at the moment. He obviously gone from under that three dollars right up to 440. So 
technically we're, we're hitting the top of the band here, but th there is very, very strong volume here. So there's actually quite, there's, there's a committed, you know, I guess there's a commitment in the share price and commitment and volume there. So that that's encouraging. So yeah, I'm just not sure this one here. It's um, technically it looks like it's top of the band here, but there's definitely some momentum there and the, the sector's, um, you know, got some, you know, obviously some positivity. So yeah. Um, yeah, look, it could 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 push through here. At, at some stage, stocks will break out of these ranges, and when they do break out of those ranges, they they often can move pretty quickly. So there's, there's some momentum here. So maybe Julia's right here. Maybe this could push on at the high levels there. So it's definitely looking pretty interesting. So for you, if it broke through the 440 and stayed there, then that becomes a really good indicator for the for the share price. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And um, the thing we don't want to sort of see is um, oftentimes the market can be range bent. I'll go back and retest old highs. But if the volume's pretty low and, and there's no commitment right. pushing that through, then we definitely <laughs> don't want to be involved. But yeah. if the volume is the volume is strong here, I mean, as it is, we're probably looking at probably two to three times the average volume here over the last um, over the last four weeks here. So that is a really strong commitment in volume there. So that's um, that's pretty positive. So that's okay. exactly what you want to see when you do if you do break out. So oh. some good signs there. All right, coming out of the drought, yeah. uh, just on grains, I really put me in perspective. All of this um, China sort of hoo ha over barley, uh, our barley exports to China are put in jeopardy. Then I saw a graph, Julia, that showed our total annual barley exports. To China was the equivalent of three days exports of iron ore to China. <laughs> and I went, what? So, so China's making a point with barley, but in the overall for barley farmers, it's it's a huge issue. But for our our trading volumes, total trade with China. Overall, it was nothing. Uh, speaking of iron ore, uh, while you're on a, a roll, Julia, Champion Iron, which is an iron ore producer across Australia and, uh, and Canada, Canada as well, is where their big mine is, isn't it, in Canada? Yeah, so this is dual listed. It trades in Canada as well. Yeah. Um, and you'd have to say iron ore is looking pretty good at the moment. I mean, if you have a look at Champion Iron, it produces at a cost of just under 40 US a tonne, and iron ore's now selling at over 100 US a tonne. Their realised price is around about 100 US a tonne. So those types of margins are very attractive. Not only that, there's a bit of a cloud over the supply coming through from Brazil because of its COVID-19 situation. So it's very good for iron ore miners that aren't in Brazil at the moment, which Champion is. So look, it is dual listed. You can see that the price has held up very well through COVID-19 and that's because of iron ore pricing as well as supply concerns. Mm. Gary? What do you think of Champion? Yeah, I mean, like, I think most of the broker valves, uh, or actually the highest broker valve that I saw pre-COVID was around 325. So we're not, you know, we're getting up towards that. Um, so, look, I understand there's momentum there at the moment. Um, the two things that I don't like about, or so the one thing I don't like about um, the stock here is, is actually the volume, the price action at the moment. So we saw, the, I think the, the, the week before the low was the highest volume week ever for this stock um and now now we've bounced basically from you know 131.40 all the way up to 280 290 here last week was the biggest volume um 
apart, apart from the apart from the week before the low in terms of you know um, activity for the stock. So you normally sort of see volume in the market take place, you know, one of two places, either you know, it's either accumulation or distribution. So when the stocks run from sort of one twenty up to two ninety, had a pretty fair run, and I see the volume basically spike. That tells me that there's a little bit of distribution there last week. So definitely some profit taking taking place. Um, so you see big volume at the lows, which is understandable when they, when, the, when the thing washes out. But when you when you see the big big spike in volume t- that took place last week, that tells me there's definitely some profit taking here. So might have a little bit more upside here, but I think we, you're getting to the pointy end here. So just yeah. Um, so not yeah, for you. L- l- yeah. Not for me. Crossed. No, we're, we're we're in the danger zone here now. Yeah. Right. Julia, is it a buy for you? Or yeah, my question was going to be, we have some such great iron ore miners here in Australia. Why would you bother with a Canadian yeah. one? <laughs> I, I like the whole sector, but I agree. Fortescue would probably be my pick because yeah. it's the lowest cost producer. So when you're... Someone told me they can produce... A ton of iron ore for twelve bucks or thirteen yeah. bucks a ton, and if you're selling it at a hundred, it is lower it's quality. It's a massive margin. It's, like... <laughs> it's a huge margin. It is lower quality than BHP or Rio Tinto, so they do get a, a discount on the price. So right. they're probably not selling at a hundred US a ton like BHP and Fortescue would, uh, right. BHP and Rio would be. But um, that cost of production and also its growth profile in the Pilbara is. Um, yeah pretty strong. And as long as Brazil is under a cloud because of COVID-19, you're going to see that iron ore price well supported. Once things start to improve in um, Brazil, I'd probably start taking some profits. Ah, right. On on all the iron ore stocks? Yeah. So when I look at it, it's demand versus supply. And at the moment, it's the supply side that's supporting iron ore prices. So worries about Brazil, which is a major supplier to the world. shutting down, having operations impacted because of COVID-19, that's helping uh, iron ore prices. But if you see Brazil with no problems, then you will start to see some of that premium Mm, leak out. And then you want to see the demand side come up to the plate. So you want to start to see that infrastructure build and you want to see global growth to support iron ore prices. Okay, all right. Um, That's, uh, you've got a, Take your hat off to Andrew Forrester with Fortescue. Jeez, yeah, Twiggy's done well. Oh, yeah. Very profitable business. He's gone through a lot to get it that that far, but good on him. Uh, Gary, our eighth stock is uh, is Brickworks, as the name implies. That's in making bricks and quarries, but sort of the, um, the other leg to this business is the property development leg, isn't it? Well when you turn those quarries into <laughs> into stepped housing, if you like. Yeah, so there's, I mean, it's, there's a real sort of basket here, quite a diversified business yeah. within, um, you know, Brickworks. Obviously building products, you know, the property, you've got some of the industrial property as well. Um, also the investment arm as well. So um, that's a real sort of mixed bag in there. Just the, the PE is pretty high here, so it was still... Um, up around that 20 there, the yield's under 4% there, so not super attractive. It's typically been more of a, um, you know, growth with a little bit of income as well in there. So just, you know, for me, I don't know, they withdrew guidance. Basically, they're talking about potential for increase in bad debts because obviously the sector um, and a lot of parties in that sector could be under, under pressure. Um, industrial property valuations are at risk as well so um, 
I mean, the only thing really the positive there is in the portfolio, the, obviously the market's had a bit of a bounce and I think TPM is one of their, their biggest holdings there. So that's had a good bounce as well. So that's, that's the plus there. But I definitely saw lots of risk been looking across the sector there. And, and, and they, their last update you know, was, was pretty clear with all the risks as well. So um, you're, sort of, you're, you're almost sort of banking on um, the, the history of these guys sort of outperforming historically and doing, you know, being, being good managers across all those um, different segments. But, yeah, so good managers, but I think the segment they're in is there's definitely some risk there. So, yeah, it's a tough yeah. one here. I just sort of, yeah, it's just sort of stay away from me just because just I think the segments they're in are going to be under a bit of risk here. Sure. And, and Julia, as Gary was saying, there's a lot more to it than this business. So isn't a part of a link with Sol Pattinson as well, that they have cross-ownership? So it's more an investment company now, isn't it? Yeah, so if you want to buy Brickworks, the number one thing that you have to think about is whether you're going to buy Brickworks or whether you're going to buy Washington Sol Pats because you can gain exposure to Brickworks through that cross-ownership. So uh, if you have a look at Brickworks, it holds uh, 44% of Washington Sol Pats and then the other way, I think, uh, Sol Pats owns 39% of Brickworks. So purely from a valuation point, uh, it's cheaper buying into Brickworks to get exposure to the set of assets mm. that they have rather than buying Sol Pats at this point in time. Now, depending on the, where the share prices move, that changes over time. I guess the second thing is the outlook for the building uh, industry. First of all, the market's already priced in a really weak property market and property has been quite resilient. So the market's had to backtrack a bit in terms of valuations and say, look, things aren't as bad as most predictions. Uh, so look, we're gonna to start to put a bit more value into this company. The key is six months down the track when you do see those mortgage holidays uh, come offline and whether you do see more weakness in terms of the property space. Near term though, once again, we're expecting to hear uh, property stimulus, building construction stimulus, which should be a short term positive for Brickworks. So look, I'd put a little bit of money in, but the risks are that perhaps five, six months down the track, that's when the property market starts to turn. Right. Okay. And very much dependent, I suppose, on the size of the stimulus from government. They're, they're talking about not only direct infrastructure, but um, even one-off subsidies to first home buyers if they if they build a new home. I was reading today even a renovation subsidy. Mm. So not even building a home, but just adding adding on or or improving a home could could get some handouts. Yeah, and those things, if you ask yourself, if there was to be a renovation stimulus, a building stimulus. Would that take away from Brickworks' value as a business or would it add? And the answer is add, and that's why it should support the share price. So new information either usually takes away from business value or adds to business value. And in the case of stimulus targeting building, well, that would add to Brickworks' mm. value. And, and also, it uh, even goes back to John Howard and, and before, if, if you want to stimulate an economy, you stimulate residential construction because of the job multiplier effect that... It's one of the, the few in industries that actually needs people to get out and lay the bricks and build build the, uh, the scale and that, uh, everything. 
And Australians love their houses. If the property market's strong, yeah. they feel good about spending. So you've got the wealth effect as well. So yeah. if the property market's going well, people usually spend more money, but if the property yeah. market's soft, then and the a, opposite. And a new house or renovate has a trickle effect across to your Harvey Normans mm -hmm. and your Nick Scarleys and your Bunnings and everything. That's yeah, huge. That, that's, Hopefully that's, we don't end up like Greece. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Gary. Sorry, Gary, end up like Greece. Yeah, well, every second house will have scaffolding on the outside of the house. <laughs> yeah, we're doing a renovation here. Yeah, yeah, we're taxed here. Oh, yeah, exactly right. All right. Yeah. Our, um, our ninth stock, Gary, is still in the sort of property, relate, not related market, but uh, certainly in the property market. But Domain, the, uh, the online property advertising platform, um, sort of hived out of Fairfax originally into a uh, into a separate listed group yeah pretty amazing actually the share price is uh you know it's bounced this hard actually so we've obviously peaked at four dollars there on a pretty hefty valuation um fallen all the way down to 170 there at the uh in march and now we've bounced back to what recently 320 there so most most broker valuations sort of sit between the 225 to 320 at the moment so we're we're right at the the top end of all valuations. Um, new listings fell 25% in April. I think REA yep. said they were down 33%. Um, REA doing free promotions basically, so you, you don't have to pay to list your house on REA. Just you, um, you, you basically pay them once you've sold it, um, trying to generate there. So that segment's definitely under the pump at the moment. I know it won't always stay that way, but um, I don't see May being any better than. April, if I actually think it might even be worse. Um, so I just don't see too much happening in that property space at the moment. Everything sort of, everyone's sort of buckling down here. So it's, there's a little bit of activity happening off market, but I don't see, don't see a lot of um, properties coming on the market there. So yeah, so it might be a little bit more short term painting. I think the, I think the share price has run here. So um, what are we on? On over 40 times the yield, only two percent here. So I, I think the looks like more than looks like downside risk to me for um domain here at, at, at this current price mm. uh, because julia their their revenue model is is not only listing but hoping you're going to pay for a premium listing so mm. you you get a better look at the the top of the search engines and and more marketing so they the margin is in those sort of higher profile listings isn't it yeah, um, look, I agree with Gary that I probably don't prefer domain, but I disagree with him that things are getting worse in May, June. And that's because back in April, um, you couldn't even have open houses. So now yep. that's been lifted, you're seeing auctions and a little bit more activity coming through. So look, I don't think May and June are going to be as bad as we saw in April when we did see volumes for um, domain down by 20% uh, and for REA down by 35%. I would prefer REA because it's the leader in this area. And if I was selling a house um, and I had enough money, I'd advertise with both um, REA as well as domain. But if I wanted to cut some costs, I'd go with the leader and that's REA. Right. So I like REA because I think the leader, um, when it comes to the number of eyeballs and listings, um, not only is it more resilient, but also offers higher growth. Right, all right. So uh, uh, a no for domain. Uh, Gary, because of the price, uh, Julia, because REA is a better deal in that sector at the moment. And our, our final stock, Julia, uh, QBE Insurance. Great Australian brand name, 
good sponsor of the Sydney Swans, so back AFL, and they've done it for a number of years, but has struggled over recent years, has that? Full disclosure, I own this one. Um, so bought in with a seven in front of it, and now it's been improving, so it's got an eight handle in front of it. Um, but look, I think some positives is, is, is that it's been able to quantify its exposure to business interruptions over in the UK, saying that there's a cap at $75 million. I think a positive is that we have seen insurance pricing going up. Um, we've seen a lot more rational pricing in terms of the insurance industry, and that's a positive. But on the negative side, investment yields um, are a negative. They're just under 2% at the moment. So QBE, uh, in terms of timing its way out of the equity markets, it didn't do so well. So it'd be now in the bond markets. And of course, you know, yields are falling all over the globe at the moment. So look, I think at these levels, I think in two years time, you'd be looking back and you'd be pretty happy with yourself. Um, but a short term negative is the investment yields at the moment, which are less than 2%. Right. Positive is that insurance prices are going up. Yeah. Well run company. Uh, well, in terms of the timing of the exit, in terms of the equity market, you'd have to put a bit of a question mark on it. I mean, if you have a look at insurance companies, basically it's a timing issue. They take money, they invest it, and then at some point there's a call on some of the funds. So it's an investment company as well as an insurance company. Right. And on the investment side, you'd have to say they haven't had a great track record in 2020, but on the insurance side of things, premiums going up is a nice place to okay. be. Gary, what do you reckon of QBE? Yeah, and no, I agree with Jill, actually. I'm sort of, um, I'm long a few QBE as well at the moment. Um, so I do, I mean, like the, the, the raising was only about 750 mil institution, what, 91 on the SPP. So it's, it's only a sort of a, uh, I think less than 10% of the overall company, might have been around about eight or something. So it's, it, the, so the balance sheet's all, all fine now. Wasn't a massive raising in terms of the size of the company. So that's, that'll give, um, shareholders in the market a little bit of support there i the pe and yield there are pretty attractive as well here so pretty you know what are we looking 14 pe yields getting close towards six percent so i know that obviously a little haircut there but i i think the insurers here actually if you look a little bit forward here i just i don't see the payout ratio um you know inc increasing here i actually think that um premiums are going to go up obviously in a, in a risky area here but i just don't think there's going to be um, big payouts in this area so as a you know i just don't see any you know how are these insurers going to pay out for any COVID issues they're just going to i don't think the i don't think they will be doing that so yeah. i'm actually sort of warming to the insurers here i think there's some real value there and um so, so you're yeah, warming, think, uh, warming to the whole sector are you yeah correct so yeah. i think there's um yeah but i, I mean i do like qbe here as well so just say i'm you know, I, I sort of think the the new management sort of come in there what, a couple of years ago. They, they've definitely um, probably been the best management we've had in there for QBE for a long time. So, um, so yeah, sort of reasonably confident that, that they're on, on the right track here. So, yeah, definitely definitely like this one here. So okay. I think there's, yeah, I agree with Julie. I think two years from now, you'll, the share price will be a lot higher. Okay. Um, and are you just as confident across the whole sector? Is, uh, is, I, is QBE the best in the sector? Well, I'd prefer it to a comprehensive insurer like Insurance Australia Group and Suncorp Metway. And I think right. the fact that QBE has a large amount of reinsurance is a, is a positive, uh. which limits losses. I'd say the risks are still elevated here. I mean, you think of 
um, insurance and the number of events that have been cancelled, uh, pretty much every conference that has been cancelled and QBE does have some sort of exposure to that. I just think that with the price at the levels that it's in, that it's yeah. already been priced in uh, to the stock. So mm -hmm. I think all the bad news is being priced into the stock and you could start to see recovery from and the good, here. The good news will flow through. I think the risks yeah. are elevated though, right. given that it's an insurer at a time when pretty much every event in the world has been cancelled. Yeah. Uh, hotels have had no occupancies. So, you know, I think the risks in terms of having to pay out some of those insurance policies is still probably right. relatively okay. high. All right, but you like it at these levels? Yes. Okay, all right. What's, what's... Yep, Gary? I was going to say, what's the likelihood of paying out on a pandemic? I mean, what do you think most? Do you think a lot of uh, groups here would have that in their cover? I'm not yeah, sure. I just don't. Just don't I don't see think that. anyone's yeah. got it in their cover. Like, you don't exclude pandemics because it's never been an issue before. And if that's the yeah. case, then you know, do they pay out or don't they pay out when you know it's yeah. not an act of God? Or yeah. maybe it is. Well, Soros, yeah. We just haven't Soros tested it. it his, so, yeah, well, I just don't see them paying out. So, uh, you know, whereas actually someone like George Soros actually did have this written into one of his uh, insurance contracts so um, as cover. So, ah. I don't know, I just I just sort of, uh, you know, insurers will find their way out of most loopholes here. So, uh, <laughs> I just can't, can't see how they're going to be paying out across the board here. So, on yeah. this type of event. Okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. So, uh, that's our 10 stocks. Uh, just to recap from Grain Corp, um, a yes from Julia, um, and if it um, breaches that 440 share market uh, level, Gary sees that as a really significant thing if it gets a, and will leap up. Um, a no for Champion Iron, uh, Julia prefers Fortescue if you're going into that iron ore market. Uh, a yes for Bricks Works from Julia, a no from Gary. Um, both knows for domain. Julia prefers REA, and uh, QBE at this price looks really interesting for both of them. Don't forget from midday to one pm Eastern every single trading day. You can email your suggestions in uh, to the call at ausbiz.com.au or use our Twitter handle at ausbiztv.